It is Wednesday, December 21st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Jalen Hurts possibly playing this weekend? And the Suns have a new owner. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Jalen Hurts out, not so fast, my friends. Carlos Correa, not a San Francisco Giant. Does he have a new team now? And a couple Mac winners in bowl games last night. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? We're going to start with the big story in the NFL, AJ, and that's the possibility of Jalen Hurts actually playing this Saturday for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Cowboys. Yeah, and we've seen a move in this line. Uh, as Nick Sirianni has said that, yes, Jalen Hurts has a, strained, a sprained right shoulder, but he also said Jalen Hurts is one of the toughest guys he knows. He said heals he heal, fast. Like he's like Wolverine. He heals fast. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but he says, I don't put anything past Jalen Hurts as far as his physical and mental toughness. There's a chance he can play this week. So all the people that were pouring their life savings into the Cowboys this week are like, uh-oh, wait a minute. Yeah. As the line starts to push back now, Cowboys minus four and a half. I still don't expect Jalen Hurts to play, but the fear that he might, it, it, sh- it should be real, according to Nick Sirianni. It's interesting because, you know, Fields was asked, uh, excuse me, Hurts was asked about can he play, and he said there's definitely a chance. And then they asked him, are you able to throw? And he just, like, nodded his head, like, yeah, like, I'm able to throw. I think that this is a, a situation where the player's got to be protected from himself because every player wants to play. Yeah. And if, if Nick Sirianni asks Jalen Hurts, do you want to play, Jalen Hurts is going to say, yes, I want to play. Is it the best thing for the Eagles for Jalen Hurts to play? Do they need this win? No. No. They need one more win to clinch the one seed or, I guess, a loss from somebody else. It could, It's going to happen. They, what did we go over yesterday with McKenzie? It was like 98% yep. that they're going to be the number one overall seed. And he drops to 97 if they lose to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that you run the risk of throwing Jalen Hurts out there. This could be Nick Sirianni just trying to toy with the Cowboys, make them prepare for Jalen Hurts, and then it's going to be Gardner Minshew? Well, you got to prepare for everybody because the the Eagles had a walkthrough yesterday, and the only quarterback that was there, Ian Book. Yeah. Uh, Gardner Minshew was a speaker at Mike Leach's funeral service in Mississippi yesterday. Mm. So this has been a, a, a weird week for everybody. Um, but yeah, third string quarterback Ian Book took the snaps at the walkthrough yesterday. We'll see it when Jay, when uh, excuse me when Minshew is back. He's he's projected to be back on Tuesday. We'll see if he's back and he's taking the snaps for the rest of the week. One would assume, but again, there's no way to really know. And you're right, 
Sirianni has no motivation to let anyone know yeah. who's going to be taking snaps on Saturday. If it was college football, we wouldn't know until pregame warm We would not. No, we wouldn't. And that's what's <laughs> the crazy. NFL, you have to you have to declare at least something there in your injury report. But uh, if this was college football, we'd find out when the when the team went out for the first offensive snaps of the game, and you find out, oh, it's Gardner Minshew's taking the first snaps. Hey. And Sirianni said yesterday that they are going to play it safe with Jalen Hurts. But if he can play, he can play. And they're going to prepare for life if Hurts plays. They're going to prepare for life if Gardner Minshew plays. And you assume, worst-case scenario, that means the Cowboys have to do the exact same thing. So we had talked about this uh, yesterday with Fez. Or actually, maybe it was Monday night. Uh, My days run into each other. Last time (laughs) I talked— That's what we get for doing zombie work. I I know. So I asked Fez about the injury to Jalen Hurts, and I said, at this point, we saw the odds completely change for the MVP award. Patrick Mahomes became the odds-on favorite, and Jalen Hurts was at, like, plus 550. Yeah. Would you take a flyer on Jalen Hurts thinking that, hey, maybe he plays a couple of these games down down the stretch, or maybe he's done enough that he wins the award anyway. And, and the consensus was, no, he's done. If he doesn't play the rest of the season or if he doesn't play a couple of games, Mahomes is going to step up. Three games is a lot. You talked about the odds already moving with the possibility of Hurts playing. Yeah. So has the odds in the MVP. As Jalen Hurts was plus 550, now plus 425. So obviously the book's having to adjust on the possibility of Jalen Hurts not missing the remainder of the season, the regular season at least. Yeah, because if he comes out and plays, and you're right. it's a- And he plays well, you have a guy, I mean, you can buy in right now on Jalen Hurts at plus 425. Before, I mean, what this, is- before this injury announcement, he was, what, minus 250, something like that? Because think about it, what a story, right? If the guy can go out and play, you know, with, with a, a, a sprained shoulder, he goes out and plays well. Yeah, that's that's going to be a talking point. But he was already the odds-on favorite to be the MVP. That's and what the I'm saying. The reason why the odds changed is because he was considered out. And he was also considered, hey, he's injured. Eagles have wrapped this thing up. He's not going to play the remaining three games. But if he plays this Saturday and then he plays another game and another game, yeah. even if he sits out the final game of the regular season, he might have done enough to be the MVP. Might not be a, a terrible Sprinkle at plus four twenty five right now. I don't think it is. Yeah, that's because uh, if he does get out there and play on Saturday, that's going to be a talking point. Like this guy, not only was this guy in the MVP conversation to begin with, but he went out there with a sprained shoulder, played well. Yeah, they're going to give him a lot of love. So we'll see where the odds continue to push, and I assume every day we'll gather a little bit more information, know a little bit more. And that little number with the minus and the plus by it will probably be a good indicator, just like it was uh, earlier in the week, of whether or not Jalen Hurts will be under center for the Eagles. The other story in the NFL, AJ, is the weather this weekend. There is a massive cold front hitting the majority of this country. The world. Yeah. <laughs> Global warming. It's freezing outside. Um, so you know, who's, you know who's excited about this weekend? Who? Everybody who paid the extra money to put a dome on their stadium. Oh, like, yeah. look how smart we are. <laughs> I want to read you the feels-like temperature at kickoff for some of the outdoor games that will take place on Saturday. This tweet comes from Field the Eights of ESPN. Bills at Bears. This is the feels-like temperature. 
minus 11 degrees. Seahawks at Chiefs. Minus 11, you said? Correct. Oh, my God. Feels like temperature. That's not, you know, it's with the wind chill. Yeah, yeah. Seahawks at Chiefs, minus 6 degrees. Oh. Saints at Browns, minus 9 degrees. Texans at Titans, 5 degrees. Oh, man. Falcons at Ravens, 7 degrees. Raiders at Steelers, minus 4 degrees. Boy. This is not a fun week to be in the NFL. Give me the totals of those games. Start with the Bills-Bears. What are we at right now? Uh, the Bills-Bears total for this week is sitting currently at 40. Okay. Seahawks-Chiefs. Seahawks-Chiefs, 48. See that one, I think we go under. Minus well, six that's degrees. Patrick Mahomes against the Seattle Seahawks defense that we've it's, seen. It's, it's too cold to play. Well, maybe. Saints-Browns, what's that? Saints-Browns is... Oh, there it is. 32. See, that feels like an accurate line. Yeah. Uh, Texans at Titans. 37. <laughs> it's too high. Falcons at Ravens. Falcons Ravens is, oh, 37 also. Raiders Steelers. 38 and a half. Oof. That one feels high, doesn't it? Yeah, it just feels like maybe all of these cold weather games go under. Frigid temperatures. I know you lost the best of the number in a lot of these. Sure. But, man, this is going to be very uncomfortable for these players to play in. We saw the the temperature at Lambeau on Monday Night Football. That game went under. Uh, I think that this is going to be one of those weeks in the NFL where scoring is going to be at a premium. I wonder if we averaged the, the temperature for outdoor games in any given week of the NFL – this might be one of the, the coldest weekends in NFL history. And I know there's there's several games being played indoors that kind of would up the average some. But imagine all these games were outdoors because the, the indoor games are Arizona, uh, the Rams, which those are warm weather cities anyway, probably not that big of a deal. Uh, and the other two are Dallas, where we know it's going to be cold, and Indianapolis, where it would be cold. Yeah. And, boy, imagine the Chargers offense having to play in that bad weather on, well, the, on Monday it's, night. It's, I think a lot of these teams are also dealing with the fact – forget about the cold. It's like record cold. It's like for the Titans, this is this might be the coldest game in, in their in, in like their stadium history. Like if you go back, they're, like they're preparing for what could be, you know, the, the, the – here, I'm looking at it right now. Rundown of the five coldest games in the history of Nissan Stadium. 23 degrees, 25 degrees, 28 degrees, 29 degrees, 29 degrees. Those are all warmer than what it's going to be this yeah. this, this Saturday. Um, and those well, and think about the Texans. <laughs> the Texans who play indoors. Woof. Yes. Steelers dealing with, you know, record cold in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, there's a uh, boy. We got some record cold in Pittsburgh yeah. sounds a lot worse than record cold in Nashville. Nashville gets cold, but it doesn't get Pittsburgh cold. Coldest game in NFL history, Cap, uh, Cowboys-Packers, 1967. The ice ball, obviously, minus 13 degrees, wind chill of minus 48. Oh, my God. Chargers-Bengals in 1982, minus 9 degrees, a wind chill of minus 59. Mm. Uh, Seahawks-Vikings in 2016. That's got to be a made-up number, that minus was, 59. I remember that game. That was the game where the Vikings had to play outdoors at TCF Bank Stadium. 
Because the stadium had collapsed. Yes. I remember that. Minus six degrees with a wind chill of minus 25. I'd be so pissed if my roof collapsed and I had to go play outside in minus six degree weather or whatever that it is. This game, you'll you'll remember this one. Giants-Packers 2008, minus four degrees with a wind chill of minus 24. That was the playoff game where Tom Coughlin's face was like so red yeah. and and plasticky whatever um so those are some of the coldest games that we've had in nfl history i was at a game jets Bengals, final game of the regular season week 17 i want to say it was 2009 it was the year where the jets beat the Bengals in week 17 and then beat the Bengals the following week in the, in the wild playoffs. card game that week 17 game was the coldest game I've ever been to in my life. We were inside the booth and it was frosted up oh. and it was, it was brutal. And you know, like I know the old heads love that kind so, of football. But, it's not, but for you me. know, but you know, like the, when, when the, in the play by play booth, like you, the windows got to be open. Yeah. Like, Cause you need the, the parabolic mics, pick up the sound yep. of, of the stadium. Plus like, you can't have the window there. It's just the, the, the sound would, would reverb. And then also they're trying to call the game and watch well, the especially game. Especially be all fogged up too. Exactly. So you got to see. So the windows open. Literally, it was like everything was was, was freezing. It felt like something out of a, uh, uh, the, the day after tomorrow movie scene where I'm watching things freeze in front of my eyes. Uh, but I, I'm very curious to see how these games play out in the frigid temperatures this Saturday. Yeah, this if it's not low temperature, I'm guessing we're getting at least lowest average total mm-hmm. of the season couple bowl games last night some good action the famous idaho potato bowl where they do serve potatoes there were french fries aplenty flowing eastern michigan beat san jose state uh 41 27 dominant performance this was a game where san jose state got up early and if you told me that san jose state was going to uh they were they were going to score the first 13 points of this game yeah i'm gonna say oh they're gonna cruise the two point, or the, they block a kick. They take back the, or they take back a two point conversion the other way on that that second touchdown, and things unravel from there. Uh, next thing you know, it's thirteen to thirty three, uh, thirty three unanswered points for Eastern Michigan. They hold on to win forty one to twenty seven on the blue and, turf. And the best tradition of the Idaho Potato Bowl a is the French fry, French, the French fry bath for the head coach after the win. That's like what they give you at Five Guys. Like you order a medium fries and they dump the Gatorade bucket of fries into your bag. I would that, love a Gatorade bucket of fries. I respect it. Also, Five Guys. I don't know. Do you consider Five Guys fast food? Yes. Five guys. I haven't been to five guys in, I don't know. I don't remember the last time ever. The best the best fast food French fries is five guys. If you consider five guys fast food, they don't what have is, drive throughs What is it about their fries? Like, are they thick? Are they salty? I mean, salty? they I make the, like, they, the potatoes that they're making them from yeah. are all over the building. They're all over the restaurant. They have, buck, they have boxes of potatoes that they take uh, and they and make they them fresh. They slice them and then yeah. fry them. And then you, if you order a large... They fill up your large cup of fries, okay. put it in your bag, and then they get a scoop and dump a whole extra scoop in the bag with your with your food. Uh, wow, maybe I'll go to five. Maybe I'll go to Five Guys later today. You got to go to Five Guys. You got to check this place out. It's elite French fries for fast food. In our other bowl game, one winner for the Mac. Nope, make it two, friends. The Boca Raton Bowl. Toledo Rockets, 21-19 winners over Liberty, who, for lack of a better term, flamed out at the end of the season, losing 
to UConn, Virginia Tech, New Mexico State. Now close their season out with four straight losses, losing to Toledo. Uh, that was Liberty's first bowl loss. Daquan Finn leading the way for Toledo. Not a fun game to watch. Bad weather, rainy. It's always funny when these cities are like, hey, we're going to have this bowl game. It's going to be an advertisement for our city. Come visit us in sunny Boca Raton. (laughs) And it's pouring rain the entire time. Uh, But Toledo with a come-from-behind win, uh, taking the bowl game 21-19. to So the Mac now in second place, I guess, with the actually – yeah, the Mac would be in second place for the Bowl Challenge Cup. Uh, right now, the Sun Belt is 3-0. Wins by Troy, Southern Miss, and Marshall. Uh, the Mountain West is 2-0. Fresno State and Boise State with wins. And the Mac is 2-0 right now. I, I would not have seen that coming. I was like, Oh, no, the Mac is 2-1. Miami of Ohio lost. Oh, they did. Yeah, so I was thinking, man, the, the Mac stunk this year. I don't think they're going to be very good in bowl games. But really, Miami of Ohio played UAB pretty tough in, in the uh, Bahamas Bowl. Although, again... Uh, UAB, not a pretty key player, uh, as we found out five minutes before kickoff. One game tonight, it is the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers and the South Alabama Jaguars. This is the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. South Alabama, four-point favorites, total of 57. And this is a weird one because Western's, Western Kentucky's quarterback, Austin Reed, entered the transfer portal. And then said, you know what? Nah. I, now, one of two things, I, I've heard differing reports. I've heard that he entered the transfer portal and everyone was like, meh. And no, I've, also no heard, I've also heard that somebody at Western Kentucky hooked him up with a nice NIL deal mm. and brought him back. I don't know which is true. Maybe both. But he will be back. He will be out. He will will be out there without his best wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He'll be out there without two of his offensive linemen. And I listen. Last year, I was probably the biggest Western Kentucky fan in the whole wide world because of Bailey's happy, my guy, my guy. And I like I knew about Houston Baptist before, mm-hmm. and I said, watch what this guy does. Watch what this offense does. And it, it worked out well. We hit on this po- on the college football pod. We hit a lot of Western Kentucky overs early in the season before anybody knew what was going to hit them. We knew mm-hmm. this offense this season feels a little bit phony. Well, second um, in the nation, second in the nation in passing yards and fourth most touchdowns for Austin Reed. Here's the problem: if you go look at their schedule mm-hmm. and you say, "Where'd they put up all these big points?" You'll see. Well, it was against Austin P. It was against Charlotte, who's terrible. It, it was against FIU, who's terrible. Sure. Uh, it was against Hawaii, who's terrible. It was against Rice, who's like, yeah, every crummy team they went in and put out big points on. South Alabama does two things well. They run the football, and they play defense. Yeah. This is going to be a lot different than what Western Kentucky's seen most of this year. Uh, they have one of the best backs in G5 and Ladarius Webb. They don't pass a whole lot, uh, but they, like I said, they are legit defensively, particularly when it comes to the pass rush. And when you consider there's going to be a brand-new left tackle out there who's never played left tackle mm-hmm. for Western Kentucky, boy, it feels like this is a recipe to put Austin Reed under a lot of pressure, especially without his best wide receiver out there. Uh to me, motivation points to South Alabama. They've they've never won a bowl game. 
Um, they don't have any opt-outs. This feels like a real chance for them to finish off the best season in their history. So I, I lean South Alabama and the under. The, the number right now is minus four, and the total is 57. What says you? So you mentioned one of the best seasons in, in program history at South Alabama. They're two losses away from being undefeated. Yeah. And the two losses that they suffered this year, 32-31 against UCLA. Yeah. Imagine they beat UCLA. And 10-6 to Troy. Yeah. Who is one of the better defenses Won their in the country. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, five points away or six points. Or we'll call it seven because they got you have to get one more point than the other team to win. They're seven points away. That's a touchdown from being a 12-0 football team. Yep. And maybe being the highest ranked group of five champion. If they were 13-0, oh, they, they would be yeah. for sure. So let, the thing, let that sink in on how good of a season South Alabama has had. You mentioned the Damian Webb, uh, ran for over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns. They have the 14th best scoring defense in the country. And Western Kentucky allows uh, over 150 rushing yards per game. So I think the key here for South Alabama, Uh-oh. run the football, <laughs> control the time of possession because, yes, you might think it's a phony offense in Western Kentucky, but it's still the second-best passing attack in the nation, the 18th-best scoring offense in the nation, 35.8 points per game. The the le- the fewer possessions you can give them, the better. So I think that's going to be the South Alabama game plan. I think that running the running game is going to have a, a real, real good day here in this one. So I would lean towards South Alabama. This Carlos Correa situation, AJ, is absolutely baffling. The reports that were coming out yesterday were that Correa had either failed his physical or there was something going on in his medical that prevented the San Francisco Giants from having their introductory press conference. Let let me back up here. Carlos Correa and the San Francisco Giants agreed on a 13-year, $350 million contract. This was the big marquee free agent signing for them after they lost out on Aaron Judge. So Carlos Correa, new shortstop for San Francisco, 13 years, $350 million. Well, apparently there was an issue with his medicals. And I don't know if it was, well, no one knows, was it a failed physical? Was there something that the doctors just didn't like? Whatever it was, the Giants postponed the scheduled news conference yesterday that was supposed to introduce Carlos Correa as a member of the San Francisco Giants. So that was where the story left off yesterday. And we were all speculating. You and I had a conversation about it. Would this mean that the Giants would maybe look to restructure the deal? Would they look to kind of get out of the deal? Was this cold feet? But this saga continued late last night or early this morning, depending on wherever you are in this country and whenever you're listening to this podcast. But (laughs) John Heyman who's a longtime baseball writer, uh, columnist for the New York Post, MLB Network Insider, he tweeted out, Carlos Correa has come to an agreement with the New York Mets, 12 years, $315 million. According to Heyman's tweets, Correa's camp and the Giants had a difference of opinion on the medical 
and agent Scott Boris worked out a deal with Steve Cohn, the Mets owner, Steve Cohn. Quote, we needed one more thing, and that was it, Cohn said, end quote. And Heyman says Correa will play third base for the Mets. That deal, though, is pending a physical. My question is now, what happens if the Mets doctors don't like what they see from from the Correa medical? <laughs> is it going to be the same situation as the Giants, or do the, does the Mets medical staff just say, "Screw it, we're going we're going to sign this guy anyway"? And Steve Cohn, the richest owner in Major League Baseball, he doesn't care. Twelve years, three hundred and fifteen million dollars. If this guy winds up having medical issues and can't live out the length of his contract, so what? Chump change for him. But now Correa joins a Mets team that has made a ton of moves this offseason. And boy, if you thought 10 to 1 was a good value on the Mets to win the World Series, that number is not going to be there for long. Because you look at what they've done with the pitching staff, with Justin Verlander and uh, Kodasenge, the Japanese sensation. Now you got Correa that joins that lineup with Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor and others. And woo. The New York Mets, uh, I know I said a couple of weeks ago that uh, during the baseball winter meetings that the Phillies were going to be my play in the National League East. I think I got to change my tune here. Correa, if he lives up to the contract and he plays like the player he was in Houston, certainly not the player he was last year for Minnesota, but this is a monster get for the New York Mets. And wow, how about the San Francisco Giants? Had Aaron Judge reportedly... Yankees came in, took him away, or took him back. Some people believe that he was never going to the Giants anyway. But then the Giants come to an agreement with Correa. They don't like the medicals. Scott Boris, the agent, working behind the scenes. And now Correa goes to the New York Mets. Absolutely wild. Boy, oh boy. The NBA is booming. Uh, Billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia. Has agreed to purchase. Who's like forty-two years old? By yeah, the way. youngest youngest governor in the NBA. That, I forget now that we call them governors. Youngest governor in the NBA has bought a majority stake of the Phoenix Suns for the low, low price of four billion dollars. It's always funny to be like Robert Sarver is basically being pushed out of the league. Seems like you'd be able to get a discount, like a a, a dented can discount or something on the Phoenix Suns right now. Nope. The biggest deal in NBA history. Apparently, he is well regarded within league offices and uh, needs approval. It seems like that's just a formality. Uh, but everyone seems to be excited about this. And it, this is really, you look back to 2019, which was the last, the, the most recent high, which was the Brooklyn Nets $2.35 billion. A couple years before that, $2.2 billion for the Rockets. That was Tillman Fertitta. And Steve Ballmer, again, who probably should have got a dented can price on yeah. the L.A. Clippers for $2 billion. So less... Uh, the, the the Seattle Supersonics, less than 15 years ago, were sold for $300 million. Isn't that insane? <laughs> I mean, think about this. In eight years since the Clippers have been sold, the Clippers, who play in Los Angeles, yep. were sold for half the price of the Phoenix Suns. Well, he also owns the uh, the 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 Phoenix Mercury WNBA. That, he's taking a loss on that. <laughs> I don't know. That's a bad part of the deal. Like he's, I mean, here's nobody's here. nobody's saying, "Ooh, 
I'm, I'm getting this WNBA team thrown in. This is great, Newt. No. Here's the Forbes list of 2022 most valuable franchises in the world. Uh, do you want to guess who's number one? Uh, in the world? In the world. Is it like Manchester United or no, it's the, it's the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys? Cowboys? Okay. $8 billion. The number two most valuable franchise in the world. Is it a soccer team? Can we, no, like, can we? We're staying in the NFL. Uh, it would be, ooh, who would be number two? That's a good, I don't know who would be number the two. The New England Patriots. Wow. $6.4 billion. Then the Los Angeles Rams, $6.2 billion. The New York Yankees are number four at $6 billion. The New York Giants also at $6 billion. Then the New York Knicks, $5.8 billion. And the Chicago Bears, $5.8 billion. The Golden State Warriors, $5.6 billion, as well as the Washington Commanders and the Los Angeles Lakers. Then the New York Jets at $5.4 billion. San Francisco 49ers, $5.2. Then we go to our first international organization, Real Madrid, $5.1 billion. The Las Vegas Raiders, $5.1 billion. Barcelona, see what I did there? <laughs> Barca. Barca, no, it's the, like a TH. Okay. Bar, Barcelona, $5 billion. Those are the organizations that are worth five and above. And then we can start going into other ones. But in terms of what were the price here on, on, the, on the Phoenix Suns? $4 billion? Yeah. That's the equivalent, the Dodgers, $4.08 billion. That's what they're worth, according to Forbes, in 2022. Wow. Would you rather own the Dodgers or the Suns? I'd rather own the Dodgers. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers, $3.98 billion. Would you rather own the Pittsburgh Steelers? Not even close. Or the Phoenix Suns? The Boston Red Sox, $3.9 What? Billion. The Baltimore Ravens, $3.9. Yeah. The Cubs, $3.8 billion. I, listen. I'm so not Steve, trying to. Steve, I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your four billion dollars. Steve Cohen bought the New York Mets for two point four billion dollars. That's a better purchase than the Phoenix Suns. The Boston Celtics, three point five five billion. <laughs> the Boston Celtics. That's pretty wild, man. That, well, you know who's happy right now? Every other owner in the NBA. Oh yeah, because their values are way up. Their values just gone up. Because I always say this when it comes to free agency in sports, and people say, "I can't believe we just talked about Correa. I can't believe Carlos Correa gets three hundred and fifty million dollars." Who's my, next? My response: No, it's not about that. My response is, "You are only worth what some dumb owner <laughs> is going to pay you." Yeah. And so, how much are the Phoenix Suns worth? Well, now they're worth four billion dollars because this forty-two-year-old guy. Just paid four billion dollars for. What's him. a comparable, you know, franchise? Like, if you said where does the where do the Phoenix Suns rank? If you were saying like Milwaukee Bucks, no, Phoenix is a Phoenix is a big metropolitan area. Yeah. So I'd pro- Dallas Dallas Mavericks. I mean, Dallas is way bigger than Phoenix. Yeah, but in terms of the success of the franchise, like, wouldn't you would you say Dallas? Maybe. Um. Yeah, I guess that's probably. I mean. Yeah, I guess that is fair. I, I was Miami. I mean, uh, it feels like owning in South Beach is is a better yeah, deal. Yeah, of course it is. What about Atlanta? The Hawks. Okay, like that, it, it, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta versus Phoenix. Okay, the Hawks but can't though, be worth four billion. But Phoenix, is, Phoenix is more of a booming area. That's the thing. It's Phoenix is only getting bigger and and more developed. So I guess, yeah, I, I just can't picture a world where 
the Phoenix Suns are worth four. I can't picture a world where the dollars. Phoenix Suns are worth more than the Boston Celtics. The, the Phoenix Suns are worth more than the Arizona Cardinals, an NFL franchise. <laughs> Three point two seven. Well, billion. there's only eight games that they. There's only you know eight That's, home games uh, you, as opposed to eighty one. You're not going to sell me that forty one. You're not going to sell me that random NBA franchise is more valuable than random NFL franchise, uh, and that's I, I what would, those are: random I, I NBA and NFL franchises. Sorry. Boy, it's bizarre. I mean, you just look at the organizations that are, according to Forbes, where, you know what? Where were the Phoenix Suns? Were they even on this list? No. I'm looking at, so right, Arizona Cardinals on this list were number 47 in 2022, worth $3.27 billion. The Phoenix Suns were not listed in the top 50 of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. $3.1 billion was number 50. That was Chelsea. So, I just don't I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess the Phoenix Mercury are worth more than we think. Sarver bought the Suns back in two thousand four. Do you know what he paid for him? Two thousand four was how many years ago? Eighteen years ago. 18, nearly okay. nineteen years ago. Okay, I'm gonna say he paid two hundred million dollars. Four hundred and one million dollars. Okay. So yeah. he ten times his money. That's a great investment. It really All is. All you and I got to do is come up with $400 million, and then in 14 years from now, we can make $4 billion. Yeah, I think you're, that's the move. So let's do that. Let's, let's, let's pile our money together, and let's see what we can come up let's with. Let's talk to Fez. Yeah, we're going to have to get Fez well, Let's talk to Fez. <laughs> the new owners of the Las Vegas Aces. Well, listen, <laughs> I mean, you can kind of see how their value is now 10x when you think about all the championships the Suns have won in the yeah. last 20 years. How, how many... How many is? Oh, it's still zero. Huh. Interesting. Interesting how that works. Well, it happened with the Clippers, too. All those titles that they won. Yep. Yeah. With that being said, AJ, let's take a look at what we have tonight. We'll start in the NBA in a Wednesday evening. Look at Yeah, it. the Philadelphia 76ers, 12-point favorites hosting the Pistons. The Cavs, my Cavs, two-point favorites hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. The Brooklyn Nets, 11.5-point favorites over the Warriors. Boy, that's Steph. He sure makes a difference, doesn't he? The Hawks, 6.5-point favorites over the Bulls, and that's in uh, Atlanta. The Boston Celtics, the aforementioned Celtics, the poverty franchise that is the Boston Celtics, 9.5-point favorites hosting the Pacers. The Raptors, 1-point dogs at the streaking New York Knickerbockers. The Orlando Magic, 2-point favorites at Houston. The Blazers... Three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Thunder. The Mavericks, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the T-Wolves. Lakers, six-and-a-half-point dogs at Sacramento. And the Clippers, six-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Hornets. On the ice last night, AJ, favorites went 8-0 and yesterday. The Hurricanes, Flyers, Penguins, Maple Leafs, Jets, Kraken, Kings and Flames all won their games, all won in regulation as well. And uh, most of them covered the puck line with the exception of the Penguins, a 3-2 win over the Rangers. So uh, I would imagine books got hammered yesterday. If you did a $100 money line parlay on all eight favorites, you would have won $4,800 based on the consensus closing 
lines. Let's take a look at tonight. The Lightning are at the Red Wings. Tampa Bay minus 170. The Lightning coming off of a loss in Toronto last night. So second night of a back-to-back. They lost to the Maple Leafs for one. The Devils, who are coming off their sixth straight loss, are in Florida to take on the Panthers, and the Panthers are minus 135. Canadians at the Avalanche, Colorado minus 285. Predators at the Blackhawks, Nashville minus 190. Oilers at the Stars, Dallas minus 140. Wild at the Ducks, Minnesota minus 292. And the Coyotes here in Vegas to take on the Knights, VGK minus 305. Head to pregame.com to select any daily package, a best bet for maybe tonight's NHL action or college football or college basketball or the NBA or NFL or anything at pregame.com. It's yours to choose from, and we got a couple of uh, good deals for you going on this week because we've been doing some Hanukkah giveaways, Festival of Lights, but it's the season of giving. Christmas will be here before we know it. Just a couple of days away. So, to celebrate the holiday season, take 20% off at pregame.com using the promo code HOLLY20. HOLLY. Like, you know, that's, yeah, a, that's like, like a Santa. Like have thing. a holly jolly Christmas. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Yeah, hang the, Christmas hang the holly. Time of the year. Is that how it goes? Th- yeah. Yeah. So, HOLLY20. I don't know if we'll get snow. That is the promo code. You can use HOLLY20 at pregame.com. Take 20% off for listeners of this incredible podcast. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the best. It's the greatest. (laughs) That's not fake news. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.